Welcome to the San Antonio Baptist Association. You're listening to a Sabbath Teams podcast. You and the leadership and the family of faith have developed a culture. Mm-hmm. So if you walk into the well on a Sunday morning, this you're going to have a worship service as a worship service, but you're going to have opportunity because everybody, not everybody, yeah. is really focused on journeying with you, not grabbing you and trying to wrap you up and to do something, but to get to know you, have a relationship with you, and introduce you to Jesus. And that's the whole culture of the well. Well, that's the hope, right? Um, that's the hope. You know, our hope, uh, you know, um, is that we would all be on mission together. But that's the... That's the the reality is that um, we're humans and we get we we get adrift a little bit and so um, but at the at the core central of what we are, are trying to do is we are trying to take every opportunity um, to pivot and turn it into a discipleship opportunity. So for example, if someone uh, comes on, it's very you know I. I I preach traditionally long sermons. I don't know if that's a tradition, but I do. Like I'm the young guy who uh, you know bangs the pulpit and screams the whole time. Um, and so uh, this last Sunday I preached for an hour. You know they they tell you not to preach more than thirty minutes. I do. You know I figured if people can listen to podcasts for like three hours, they do. My my people do. So we just we just preach long sermons. But the reason being is in that sermon what I'm doing is I'm doing the same thing, helping you follow Jesus. How are we? We're spending a lot of time. We're in Genesis, so how we we got to explain the text, but we're also connecting it back to the Lord Jesus. How this actually is about Jesus, and how are we going to follow Jesus in light of what God is teaching Abraham, for example, and Abraham's calling, and then your calling, and how are we going to? Uh, what sin is being exposed here? Um, there's a lot of times where Abraham acts really foolish. You know, it's really easy to point out those, but so is it true in our heart. Um, how do we fight sin and how do we see the mercy and grace of God, let's say through Abraham in Genesis, but then it's really a reflection ultimately of the mercy and grace of the Lord Jesus. So when you're failing at discipleship, when you're failing at being a husband, you're failing at being a parent, you're, we're, we're in this, in, from the teaching, we're, we're going back to, man, how are we able to not just follow Jesus, but fight sin and live in the grace of mercy of God, but then ultimately, how is this tying back to the Great Commission? How And so... Even in Abraham, Abraham, when he he hears a call from God, immediately he starts gathering people and they go to the pagan land and they set up altars and worship the Lord Jesus. He's, I believe, church planting before it was cool. He's doing, he's literally a pagan man, meets the, the, the one true and living God, starts gathering people and resources. They start hosting church services and building altars in Shechem in a godless land and and this is this is what we do. We're in a city, and we want to plant churches in cities in rural areas all over the world that uh, where Jesus is not made much of. And what we want to do is come into the city and, and make much of the Lord Jesus. So even in our preaching, we're, we're trying to undergird this. But then, moreover, if someone is like, "Man, I want to I want to serve in the kids area. I want to serve on a volunteer team. Or I want to I want to get involved. I want to join a group." All of these areas begin to be a launch pad for a leader to connect with them, to help them through the process of ultimately connecting them to Jesus. If they're a Christian, we're still going to connect them to Jesus. We want them to live out the Great Commission. And if they're a non-Christian, which we have a lot of, we're connecting them to, we're introducing them to Jesus. And so we have people who serve on Sunday who are not a Christian. They don't even know sometimes that they're not Christians because they, we, we have a philosophy where we want you to believe 
even if you, you you belong, even if you don't believe, sorry, you belong here, not as a member, but as like, man, we're your family with us and we will walk with you. We'll answer your questions, your objections. But that is, it is a culture that we are aiming to continue to create and adapt as the times change. Uh, and, and ultimately the questions of the culture change in order to, to address those. But uh, that is the hope and prayer is that at every level of uh, the ministry and all the teams that we are, it, everything is a launch pad to following Jesus, a launch pad to, to fighting sin, remembering the mercy and grace of God when we sin, and then fulfilling the mission. Um, because- it sounds like that's one of the big challenges that you have. As I visit with pastors and talk with pastors, and some have started what they perceive as focusing on developing discipleship culture, what happens over a period of time as I've watched them is what ends up happening is this disciple-making focus it kind of drifts to yeah. where it started out with one thing and then six, eight, 12 months later, it's now become another church program. It's yeah. the discipleship program in the church. So it's no longer the foundation of the direction of the church. So I guess, how do you guys sustain that as the central focus of your ministry to avoid that drift to to make sure you're always on task yeah well i think there's many ways we can do it um for us because of uh the privilege we've had to kind of build this from scratch we we do have it already built into the dna of every uh ounce of the organization now that doesn't mean we don't we don't have to go back and and uh recalibrate some things because obviously we do from time to time um but it's it's very you're not inviting people onto a Sunday serve team simply to just serve on Sunday. Like that's that's in the DNA of that team. The team member, the leadership training there and they know man we're trying to connect them to Jesus. And so if 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 they want to come make coffee um and this helps us build relation, them build relations with other Christians so that we can ultimately get them to Jesus. That's what we, that's what we're trying to do. If they're a Christian coming in and they're they're like, man, I just really come to your church because I hate the other church. We're trying to get them to Jesus so they realize that that was sin and that they can repent of that. Yeah, and so maybe right. they go back, maybe they don't. But we're not we're not trying to steal sheep from other folds. So that so we do have a pr- the privilege of that being. Um, the, the assessment tool that we evaluate all of our, our teams is that at the end of the year, as or throughout the year, we're, we're assessing how are we doing with uh, making disciples here? Is this effective? Are we, are we doing a good job of following Jesus, finding sin, fulfilling the mission there? Uh, and then, um, but moreover, I think for a church, in order to keep making something sustainable, is uh, it's got to be reproducible. I think whatever, I, even if it is a department, of of the church a department could then turn into something reproducible or could could turn into a movement within the church if it's reproducible but if the department is uh you know you come to discipleship class after you're done with the discipleship class here's your gold star you became a disciple you don't have to do anything like it ends it's done like you you as a christian one we never stop being 
disciples, and we never stop being disciple makers. And so while we might intellectually or theologically believe that to be true, do you have a system in your church that allows you uh, the flexibility to continue to be a disciple and a disciple maker for the long haul? Uh, the classes are not bad. It's that what is how are they how are you continuing to make disciples long after the class is over or long after the church service is over and so for us finding ways to make something reproducible meaning i could take someone who just became a christian say joe joe just became a christian and i can teach him how to read his bible aka following jesus like how does he read his bible connect the whole bible to jesus the person and work of jesus how does he see uh the mercy and grace of god on his life continually as he's fighting sin um and is he aware of his sin is he aware of the idols in his heart how are we is he growing and maturing here through the power of the holy spirit and then immediately and this is the best part the 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 best disciples uh are the ones who just became christians because they're all their friends are non-christians and they're going, I just got changed. Yeah. I want them to know about that. So instead of waiting till you're like, you know, eight months into the discipleship process to go, you know what? Let's go share Jesus with someone. I mean, we're, we're doing it right off the bat. And so immediately off the bat, all three of those are firing at one time. Uh, follow Jesus, fights and fulfill the mission. And so that's, that's I'm teaching him to do it. Uh, him to have an intimate relationship with Jesus, teach him how to read his Bible, how to study his Bible, how to how to pray, teaching him all these disciplines. I'm there to coach him after after a time where he gets he knows them well, um, but then I'm also continuing to encourage and fan the flame of hey, man, who who are the people in your life that that God has placed in your life who don't know Jesus that that you've been called and sent to them. He's like, well, I don't know how to do that. Well, now we got to walk through a time of discerning. Well, how do we discern this? How do we recognize this? How do we strategize to reach person A versus person B? Because person A strategy may look different than person B, but that's all done intentionally. And then after that, Joe goes in, uh, uh, he goes in, he's making disciples. He's going, man, I got it. There's this guy I've been, we've been praying for. His name was Bob. Bob became a Christian. Now, whose job is it to disciple Bob? Joe's, because he introduced him to Jesus. He's going to introduce him to the life with Jesus, walking with Jesus, following Jesus, fighting sin, fulfilling the mission. Now, there's a point in time where maybe a kid, you know, you get five kids and you're grown up, like you're married, now you have five kids and things look different um, as far as maybe your schedule. Uh, But what doesn't change is that you're still called to follow Jesus. What doesn't change is you're still called to, to fight sin. You're still called to fulfill the mission. Now, as time goes on and as things multiply, nuances might look different than the original discipleship relationship between me and Joe. Um, but nonetheless, it's overseen. It's it's reprodu- He knows how to make a disciple who makes another disciple. And I think so. If that hap- say that were to happen in the context of a um, discipleship class, and everyone in the discipleship class all of a sudden was unleashed to start making disciples. Well, eventually the whole church would be saturated with disciples and disciple makers. For me, the big question is, is it reproducible? Because if it's not reproducible, especially guys, what we'll do is we'll go, man, I I did it. I checked the box. That's awesome. Not Not that we're, our inclination is towards laziness. It's that you told us that's what it was. You told us the standard. A plus B, C, I did it. But what if we reminded, especially men, that Jesus said, until I come back, 
and 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 if we and if we took discipleship away from man it's only for the pastors it's only for you have to have all these degrees it's it's it, the, the the bar to entry is so high what if we brought it back down to the the level that Jesus had and he took 12 dudes who did not have their life together one of the guys was going to you know sell Jesus out and multiple of them are going to run and hide one of them is going to deny him what if we we just went after the guys that God has put in our life and we were patient with them and in in the bar to entry into discipleship was like are you breathing all right you can come be a part of discipleship <laughs> and and then from there let the power of the holy spirit really change a man change a woman and then show them that what what has happened to them through through discipleship can, can be easily reproduced in the life of another um I think that's really important that we see that it's reproducible in it because it is. We're all here today, right? All of us, everyone listening is here knowing, loving, trusting Jesus is because someone made a disciple who made a disciple who eventually shared the gospel with us. Yeah, amen. You know, I appreciate, man, this is great stuff. Uh, Thank you, thank you so much for being part of this. And uh, I really appreciate you made it very, very clear. And what I love about you is it's always simple, down to earth. I don't have to work very hard to figure it out. And so he left us with three great thoughts. If we're going to have a discipleship culture, there needs to be a decision that, first and foremost, the reason we exist as the body of Christ is to follow Jesus. And then we equip people with some spiritual disciplines that they might be able to, through the power of the Holy Spirit, fight sin. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing is, we're not done. I mean, now the doors get thrown open, and because of that journey with Christ, uh, the truth is, once the Holy Spirit grasps hold of your life, you can't be contained, and you can't contain it. So the mark of that maturity is being reproducible. And if, as you keep that focus, um, it sounds simple, but it's hard work. Yeah. Am I right? It's hard work. It is very hard work. And I think the I think to encourage folks, because they'll see it, man, how all pastors were typically see like we want to look down the road and get to the to the end zone. But some of us sometimes we're we're sitting in the parking lot. And like we don't even have we we're in the parking lot. The stadium, fans are in the stadium, we're in the parking lot. And I think the the big thing about pastors is they they look around and they start feeling shame because they're sitting in the parking lot they look at it, they hear a podcast and it sounds like this guy he's in the stadium and you know you know they get real discouraged um and they and they, they feel shame it's so all to remind pastors to the same message the same gospel that saves you is the same gospel that sustains you that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus if you don't understand that um right now in, a, in the midst of man i'm not making disciples Things are not working out. I wish we were at a different spot. I'm just condemning myself full of shame. You're not going to take the next step. Right. It's not until we understand we're n- there's no condemnation. There's no condemnation from you. There's no condemnation from me. There's no condemnation from, more importantly, God towards you, pastor who's struggling right now. And so uh, my encouragement would be first recognizing that God's mercy and grace abounds towards you as well. That's the message you preach to others believe that wholeheartedly yourself when you do you can then therefore be honest go i need help 
I need help. And I think Saba's doing a great job, Frank, you're doing a great job of, of, of working to equip uh, pastors to be disciple makers. And so I know that, you know, your door is always open and your phone call, your phone call away from every pastor in Saba for this. And so I just encourage the pastor who's stuck and, and man, I see the end goal, but I don't know how to get from point A to point B. And my executive pastor doesn't want to do that either. What do we do? First, just recognize you're human and God's mercy and grace abounds to you. There's no condemnation. Jesus was shamed on your behalf. You don't need to be shamed. And then, therefore, after the mercy and grace of God, you, you, in light of that, you can respond humbly and go, I need some help. And then if a pastor's not willing to do that, though, well, this is what they will do. They will hear this and just try to force their self into the end zone, but they're still sitting in their car in the parking lot, and they're wondering really why they can't get in. And that's the first step is being humbling ourselves before the Lord and letting Him work in and through us. Uh, you, are, you are a great guy. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to join with us today. You are always a great blessing and a word of encouragement to me and to other pastors here as you participate with pastors here in the association. So Lord bless you today, and man, have a great day in the Lord. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me, Frank. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Sabbath Teams podcast. We look forward to continuing our conversation next time in hopes of better connecting, encouraging, and supporting churches for kingdom impact.